listen, you guys got some, some excitement in your heart? Come on now. Come on, let's shake ourselves. Woo! Mm. <laughs> I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Amen. I knew I was going to get one out of Judy on that one. That's right. This morning, I want to talk to you about keeping the fire. Keep the fire. I was thinking about this last night, and well, this week, been a lot of thoughts, but last night, it just kind of came together in my, in my heart. And I was thinking, you know, uh, the fire, it's hard to do anything for, for long term and that really makes a difference in that, that it doesn't suck the life out of you. How many of you don't raise your hand? Because <laughs> we'll have to take time to put them down. And anyway, <laughs> uh, how many of you have done things and you felt like it just sucked the life out of you? Don't raise your hand because I think all of our hands would be up. There's things in life that just, it just pulls the energy, pulls everything out of us. And the thing is, is you can do that once or twice. You can do that for a while. But longevity comes because there's a fire inside of us. There's a passion inside of us for whatever it is. Listen, if you don't have a passion and a fire inside to raise kids, I pray for you. Because they're not going to go away. They're there and they get older and they go through things and we go through things with them and we come to the end of our rope and then we have to go hide in the closet and cry and ask Jesus to help us. You know what I'm, yeah, you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of the rest of you are going, it never happened to me. Well, maybe you just got your forgetters better than mine. But I'm just saying that whatever, God's called us to be about his business and the one thing he called us to be about, we can do lots of things. We can serve in this area. We can serve in that. We can be the best in this. We can be the best in that. But there's one thing that God's called us to do, and that's to get the gospel to every person on the planet. That's it. I mean, there's other things we do. I mean, he's told us other things, but they're all connected to getting the gospel because we can feed the hungry and we can clothe the naked, and we need to do that. Jesus said that, and, you know, I was hungry, I was naked, I was in prison, I was sick, uh, you know, and I had no, whatever it was, and, I, and you came and you visited me, you took care of me. Lord, when did we do that? When you saw the least of these and you ministered to them, you were ministering to me. I know that. But the thing is, it's more than just putting food in bellies. That's important. It's more than just putting clothes on naked bodies. It's more than just housing people. Those are all important things. But we can do that in the name of just humanitarian aid. We did that because we're Americans. We did that because we're good people. We do that because it's a door that opens in people's lives. Why are you doing this? Because God loves you. And he's using us to love you through, he's loving you through us. And the thing is, is when we lose that fire, when we lose that passion, I was looking this morning, I was reading some things this morning about JFK's uh, funeral and his, he has what he, they call the eternal flame on his, uh, uh, yeah, on his grave. And basically, he died, his funeral was uh, November 25th, 1963. That day, Jackie Kennedy lit that, that uh, flame. And it's gone out twice, they say, through different reasons. Actually, it went out just a month later, or not a month later. Uh, yeah, whenever it was, it was just uh, December the 10th. Yeah, a month later, it went out whenever they threw some holy water on it. They were doing a service, threw some holy water on it, then it went out. 
But the point being is this, that what we call an eternal flame is, is, is human. It's we run a gas pipe or whatever it is, or they keep throwing a log on the fire, whatever they do. But the eternal flame that I'm talking about that needs to be inside of us for the things that God's called us to do is this flame that burns for the souls of men. It's, and the thing is, is if you, if you think that it's all about you being consumed, God wants to refurbish and refresh and re, uh, just reignite you. God doesn't want us to burn up. Some people are happy to be burned out for Jesus. Oh, I'm just burned out. I just don't have any more energy left. Then we need to get close to Jesus because that's where he refurbishes us and gets us more strength. I was reading a couple of verses. Let me read some verses and jump, just jump on here. Uh, Exodus chapter 27, verse 20 and 21 Uh, I was just reading through the other day, and this is what it says. Let me just read this. Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil, pressed of olives, for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. The lampstands will stand in the tabernacle in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron and his sons must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel, and it must be observed from generation to generation. This was just a physical thing, but it had spiritual significance for us. God wanted them to keep that fire burning, and the way they had to do it, they had to keep refreshing it, keep uh, putting more olive oil there. Let me tell you today, the oil of the Holy Spirit, and listen now, whoo, that's great, oh, whoo, I love that. But the thing is, let's stop and think about it. The oil of the Holy Spirit, the oil of joy, the oil that comes from, from worshiping and being in the presence of God, that's what gets us to get up and go some more. That's what causes us to be renewed and refreshed. I don't want to burn out for Jesus. I know people say, I just want to burn out for Jesus. I just want to be used up for Jesus. God's not, we're not, that's not what God's wanting He doesn't want us to be, you know, just a carcass laying off the side of the road. Well, he did it all for Jesus. Look at him. He's all worn out. Nobody wants to do that if they're in their right mind. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to continually refurbish our soul. Refurbish ourselves. Because the thing is, is when you burn out, let me tell you what happens. When you run out of that, 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 The illustration here is olive oil. When you run out of that, what happens? It gets dark. There's a verse, another verse I wanted to read here. This is actually Matthew's. He's quoting from actually uh, Isaiah. But this is Matthew chapter four. And he says, now when Jesus heard that John had been put into prison, he departed to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the land of Zebulun and the, and the land of Naphtali, uh, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, Light has dawned. I want you to know today, some people will never see the light of God's love if they don't see it through you. Is that a lot of pressure? I'm sorry. But it shouldn't be because we should, that light of love and that light of of, of wholeness and that light of joy and that light of trusting God no matter what. 
Because sometimes in the broad daylight, we see things happen and we don't understand them. And they devastate us because we don't understand. Oh, wait a minute. Let me step back. God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know why this happened. I don't know how this happened. I don't know. What's your plan? Did God, did you cause that, God? We have all these questions. If we stay the course, if we can stay focused, if we can stay, keep the lamp burning, keep the lamps burning inside of us. Now listen, we're going to do all kinds of stuff. We're going to go take kids to the park and we're going to go to the movies and go to dinner and, and, and ball game. We're going to do all kinds of things. It's not like we just, all we do is live to run around preaching to everybody we see. Our life is a message. Our life, our family life is a message. Our work life is a message. And when we burn out, when we run out of this, this oil that the lamp of our life, when it burns out and we become like, well, I love God, but I don't really have any energy to talk about it. I don't have no energy to tell nobody about it. I just, well, you know, it's not my personality. Folks, nobody's asking you to be like them or them like them or them like them. Nobody's asking anybody to be like anybody else. God created you uniquely. And your personality is amazingly wonderful, usually. Had to say that because I thought about me all of a sudden. It's amazingly wonderful when you're filled with that oil of joy. And that's a choice. It's not something we just, oh, it's a season and maybe, maybe next year or next month or maybe next time. No, it's, and we, we, we yield. We open ourselves up. We, we have to allow God to do this in our life. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus went on. He began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus began his ministry after he quoted that verse because he knew that he was, and let me read it, John chapter eight, verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. If people don't see Jesus, then what hope is there? If people don't, don't see uh, the, the light and the love of Jesus, then all it is is a story that they hear from people that are burnt out. Or they see us go every Sunday morning. Where do they go? Oh, they go to church. Really? Yeah. Okay, I wonder what kind of church it is. Look, here's the thing. I can't keep you burning. You can't keep me burning. But we can encourage one another, and I have to, to take care of my own self. And there's things that I do. I can tell you, there's things over the years. I've been, I've been a Christian for 50 years. I came to Christ in 1972. I've been a Christian a long time. I know what sucks the life out of me, what puts the, the light out in me. I know what... what, what uh, crushes that passion, and I know what causes it to burn bright. I know. I don't need somebody coming and telling me. I know. I just have to step away and go, you know, I'm going to stop doing this and start doing this because I know this puts me, puts me down, and this causes me to burn, causes me to rise up. And maybe there's people here you don't know what that is. Well, then talk to somebody. Talk to us. I'll talk to you. We'll talk to one another. But the thing is, it's not just something that, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to burn bright all my life. Good luck with that. 
It's a maintenance. We have to be maintaining our soul, our life, our heart. Our, our, we got to maintain. We can't run on the ragged edge of everything all the time. We can't. So Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me uh, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then, it, and then he went on. Jesus said in, in Matthew that was John 8, 12. This is Matthew 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Uh, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. But then he says, you're the light of the world. I thought he said he was the light of the world. Now he's saying that you and I are the light of the world. But then he goes on, and he says, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house, everyone in the neighborhood, everyone in the office, everyone around. Because our life and our joy. And the thing is, as we all go through difficult times, I get it, but joy is a fruit. It's a fruit. The oil of gladness, the oil of joy. It's, it's a fruit. And we have to allow God to refurbish us. And you know what? There's joy in the presence of the Lord. Well, you know, I have to wait till next Sunday. No, you don't. Develop that, that heart and that life of praise and worship. It's not something that you have to be on the worship team to do. It's, it's what we do as Christians. You know, relationships die because we don't tend to them in the natural. Relationships become strained because we let things drive a wedge in between us. Good people, loving, kind people, we get hurts, we get things, and then instead of us dealing with it, we allow that thing, whatever it is, it's a disappointment, a failure, whatever it is, it drives a wedge and it pushes us away I'm talking about to the body of Christ. But if we can't maintain ourselves, then people that are, God wants to look at us. God wants to have the world look at his, we are the body of Christ. Jesus says, we're the light of the world. Think about yourself. Everybody say, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said that. And the thing is, is you, I, I'm lying, I guess I am, I don't know. Well, of course, that's what Jesus said. Because we have his spirit living inside of us, if we allow him to clean house and to deal with things, clean house meaning stop this and start that and forgive this and release that and make this right and, and, and stop messing with that. He, he goes through our life. The Holy Spirit leads and guides our lives if we will listen to him. And then that's in a way, in a very big way, that's how we trim the lamp. That's how we trim the lamp of our life. So Jesus says, you're the, the light of the world. The city set on a hill can't be hidden. If once you allow that light inside of you that God has placed in you, well, I'm not a preacher. He doesn't say, well, let me see. Oh, it doesn't say preachers. It just says you. It just says you. He's talking to believers. He's talking to his disciples. He was talking to people that were following him. Are you following Jesus? Well, then it's you. You are the light of the world. I've not been to Bible college. Hold on. Oh, it doesn't say, that doesn't translate into Bible college. It doesn't, oh, it doesn't translate into, you know, I've been a Christian for 25, 35, 45 years. You. 
Receive Christ yesterday. You're the light of the world. That's who you are. That's who we are. And you know, we're the hope. God has put everything in the church, in us. The thing is, is he wants our lives to burn brightly with love and mercy and kindness and gentleness and honesty. Jesus said in, uh, let, me, let me find this verse. Joe gave me this verse this morning as we were talking. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. Actually, yeah, 5. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we're in God, if we're in Christ, if he's in us, then darkness has no place. No place. Paul's sitting in prison. And let me, let me kind of finish with this this morning. Paul is sitting in prison and... Um, He's getting ready to be executed. He's in Rome. And he writes the letter to Timothy. And in this letter, basically, let me just kind of read some of the highlights here. He says, as you know, this is uh, 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1, verse 15. He says, as you know, everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. He names a couple of people. Demas has left for Thessalonica, because he loved the world more than the gospel. Uh, Circenes and Titus were ministering elsewhere. Uh, that was 2 Timothy 4.10. And to add insult to injury, he says, uh, Alexander the coppersmith has done me great harm in 2 Timothy 4, verse 15. It's been a pretty rough road on the way to execution. What's on his mind? What's on his mind? They've done me wrong. They should stood by me. Everybody hates me. Talking like that. He's just saying, these are the facts. These are the facts. This is what, I, this is what I'm going through, Timothy. This is what I'm going through, Timothy. But then he goes on. And, and So let me read 2 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 3. He says, Timothy... I thank God for you. Now, he's thinking about Demas, and he's thinking about those other guys in Asia, the whole province of Asia. He says, man, they're against me. Did a lot of work there. I don't know what, what, what happened. Did I, not, did I insult somebody? He doesn't know, but they were against him. Something had happened. People turned against him. Timothy, I thank my God. I thank God for you. And, and the God that I serve with, a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you, Timothy, in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears when we parted. I remember, uh, see, I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, he says. Church, you have genuine faith. If your faith is based on what the word of God says, then your faith is genuine, not based on what somebody said. It's on what the word of God, he's telling Timothy, I know where your faith is, it's genuine. Genuine faith, he says. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. And then he gets to the point. 
This is why I remind you to fan into, the, into, the, into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for you. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saves us and call, saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. I want you to know, thing is, we burn brightly or we dim out, depending on how we maintain. I don't have time to read it, but there's a, the story of, in Matthew chapter 25, I won't have time to read it. You can write, take a note and write it down. 25, 1 through 13, it talks about 10 virgins, five wise and five foolish. And they thought, they thought, oh, there's plenty of time. They thought, oh, you know what? Yeah, you know, we're, five went out and said, well, we're just gonna have to make sure that we keep our lamps filled with olive oil, with oil. Because we never know. And the other five said, ah, come on, man. They've been saying that for 2,000 years. Well, when we hear him coming, we're going to get it all together. But here's the problem. It's not so much just about us having ourselves ready. It's about what we're doing while we wait. Because the oil in us that causes us to burn brightly causes others to find Christ. So the journey, we're not waiting around to go to heaven. We're still here because there's people that need to know the love of God. And we need to let our lamp shine. And it's not for the preacher, for the apostle, for the real uh, over-the-top, loud people. It's for you and for me. What Jesus tells these five foolish, when he tells this parable, he tells them, uh, basically, in so many words, you need to keep your lamps full of oil. Why? For, for that minute when the, when the master comes, well, of course, obvious, but also because it's what causes us to burn brightly. It's what, that oil is what causes our lives to have meaning and purpose and joy. And, and it's like, man, we love life. Well, it hasn't been so long. Yeah, but man, I'm looking forward. I know God's coming. I know the Lord is working in my life. I'm not living just to go to heaven. Ultimately, I am. But there's a reason why I'm still here. And there's a reason why you're still here. It's not to make penance, to pay for your sins, to pay for all your whatever it is. You're not here trying to make good on all the things that you've done, we've done. I'll point at me. I'm here because there's people that need to see the light. Because there's people that are sitting in darkness in this country, in this city, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. People that are sitting in darkness and when they hear like the name Jesus, when they hear about the love of God, do they think, well, I know a guy, I know a lady, and I know they're, I know they're believers, I know they're, they may never use the word believers, I know they're religious people, I know they go to church, whatever word they use, are they gonna look at our lives and go, they've got something, I don't know what it is, because they see the light burning brightly, or, or are we 
trying to live under a bushel. Hey, listen, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, I'm not a preacher. I'm just, I'm just Tom, man. I need to go down to church, and they'll tell you how to do this. We were sitting in the lobby a couple weeks ago, Joe, Rita. We were sitting out there, and we were going through that one class that we just finished. And one of the things, the question that had come up of, about with, with, with folks, we're just talking about folks walking in the church. And so the, we're having conversations about loving people and just making sure we recognize people and we acknowledge one another and we acknowledge new people. And I, God just put something on my heart. I don't even I think I said it. That basically, just with that number, I think we might have had 12 or 13 people out there that night. And I just remember, whether I said it or not, this was my thought. We could change this church with 12 people. We could change this community with 12 people. Well, how about the number that we've got in here? We could change Yuma with this number of people. To what? To get them in this church? To get them to Christ. It's not about getting people to come and be on the membership role, if we even had one. It's not about that. It's about making sure that the hope that we have, this light that we believe is shining out of us, maybe you don't even believe that. I just, I'm just a regular guy. I don't think people look at me different. I want you to know, you can put a bushel over, but it's still, if you have hope in Christ, what did Paul, what did Paul tell Timothy? God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, of, of fear, of shyness. He didn't give you that. You know what he gave you? He gave you a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. That's what he gave you. For what? So that you could be a light. Fan into flame, church. If we will begin to fan into flame our hope in Christ, our faith, the message, I'm good to help feed people. I'm good to help clothe people. I'm, I'm good with shoe I'm, I'm extra good with all that. I'm amazingly, wonderfully pleased and excited about being a part of that. But the end result, the bottom line, the underlying reason why we do everything we do is because there's this message about the love of God, that there's a God in heaven, and he loves people. And don't leave it up to just the preachers and for the people that, that are bold out there, youth call bold. You become that person. You become that person that shares the hope. And if you don't know, well, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Tell me about how you came to Christ. Maybe not me personally. Tell yourself. Rehearse it. Think about it. Talk about it. How did you find Christ? Well, I just grew up in church. I was always saved. That's not true. You might have grown up in church, and you might have been saved a long time, but you weren't born saved. We all come to a point where we make a decision for Christ. All of us do. And the thing is, is when we forget about that, we begin to dim down like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. We need to pump some life into that. Get some fresh oil in our hearts and in our lives. Let the Holy Spirit begin to, to breathe some life and to breathe, let that flame of passion for the souls of others. I know we're getting ready to start missions, our, our missions emphasis month. But this is not just something that we do once a year. This is something we do all year long. This is who we are. We're a mission-focused church. And the mission field is right on the other side of those doors. It's right on the other side of the block where you live. It's right on the other side of the workplace where you're at. It's right next to you. It's right behind you where you live. We live in the mission field. This is where we live. I want us to tend the flame. You know, I was thinking about 
I'll finish with this thought. Pray. I told Joe this morning, I was thinking as we're, we're back, and, back and forth, just talking and thinking, and I rem, was reminded of when God told Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac, the most precious thing that he had, his son. He waited for 25 years, and he said, I want you to go sacrifice your son. No. <laughs> that would have been my reaction, I think, the way I usually feel. No, not going to do it. But the thing was, he trusted God. He trusted God. But the fascinating part about that was when he left to go to Moriah, he took a fire, and he carried it with him all the way to make that sacrifice. I want you to know, God will send you places. He'll put you in places. And he'll tell you he wants you to go to those places, but he wants you to carry the fire inside. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there. This is embarrassing. I'm, uh, it was just awkward, whatever. If you will go, if you will step out. See, it's one thing to get where God tells you to go, but then who, I can't remember who said it. You know, set yourself on pyre, fire and people will, will come. I think that's really a, a good word. If you will just allow the fire of God to begin to burn in you for the passion of your love for God and the love for souls, people will come. Don't leave it up to me. Don't leave it up to Joe. Don't leave it up to a handful of people. If you and I will all begin to do that, but you know what? It doesn't happen just because we want to. It happens because we tend the fire. 